Hello, and welcome to Women of Substance. I'm glad that you're with us today because we have a tremendous minister of the gospel who's actually going to preach to you today and teach some things. And uh, she's very special in my life. Um, She's very special in my husband's life. And that's because she's my mother-in-law, Jerry Horton. And many of you know her. She really doesn't need an, an introduction because she's ministered throughout, I mean, the whole world in uh, all of her ministry years. Uh, she, of course, was married to Doc Horton, a professor at Rainbow Bible Training College. And she taught many times there and at uh, special meetings and then, of, of course, at healing school and prayer school. So many Rainbow people know her. But, of course, she administered in so many different denominations and churches and has been a blessing for so many years. So this last week was her 93rd birthday. And David and I had the privilege of having her in our house. So we had a birthday dinner and it was so nice. And she is just a delight to be around. And I thank God for her faith and prayer. She's so um, fervent in prayer and um, and just really a rock as far as standing on the word. Um, David uh, has told her testimony when she was in her 20s, before she even had David, um, that she was healed from uh, cancer, skin cancer, and uh, the doctor had given her up to die. Um, So Jesus came in her hospital room in Atlanta, Georgia, and told her that everything was going to be okay. So from that moment, she began to recover and made a full recovery and now celebrating 93 years of service to God um, as a pastor's wife, as uh, Dr. Horton pastored many churches. And then, of course, um, as the uh, Kenneth Hagen and Aretha Hagen's really good friend. Um, in fact, Brother Hagen said that there were three women that uh, Aretha and him knew that God had called to pray for his ministry. And um, these three women were instrumental in really getting his ministry across the the nations and into the world. And so uh, Jerry Horton was one of those women. So I think that you will glean so much from her today. And if, if you do, call somebody and tell them to listen to this podcast and watch her. It's a video so you can see her ministering. And again, just the power of prayer standing on the word and her faith in God. Uh, David often tells me, I think cancer is scared of my mom. (laughs) And he said, I think the devil's scared of her too. And of course, you know, the Bible says, resist the devil and he shall flee. So he's probably scared of all of us, but there's certain ones I think he tries to stay away from. And I think Jerry Horton is one of them. So enjoy this podcast, receive, be inspired, Uh, Let her uh, empower you to pay attention to your prayer life and give attention to the word of God, because I think I think she'll do this. So God bless you today. Let's give Jerry Horton now, Doc, do you want to come and introduce your wife? I think you should, because you you know whether she's real or not. This is Doc Horton, and let's give him a good Selwyn Outreach welcome. Praise God. 
can assure you she's real. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I, uh, I asked her to marry me. And uh, I went through a great ordeal to ever get her to marry me. Not on her part, her parents' part. Because they were going to have to sign for her to get married. She was too young to get married by herself. So uh, they finally did. I finally got her. And you know, I'm telling you, the first day, now she, I don't mind telling you, she was only 16 when I married her. I went home from work to a lunch. I didn't know what to expect, you know. You got a, a new, brand new person, and you got uh, somebody that's young, and you don't know whether they know how to cook or not. But I'm telling you, when I went into that first meal, and I sat down, I said, praise God, I hit the jackpot. <laughs> She knew how to cook. She knew how to cook anything, do anything, and she still does. And she has a library of cookbooks from all over the world, just about it. And she can cook anything, any kind of meal, anything. You mention it, and she's got a encyclopedia that's got it in it or something, and she can cook it. Brother Hagen found that out a long time ago before we ever hooked up with him too much, but he found that out. And he, if we'd go to a convention where he was, he'd come down, come down off of the stage after it's over, look her and walk over to her and whisper in her ear and talk to her and tell her some things. People say, oh, I wish I could get him to do that to me and minister to me like that. He was down there whispering, said, what do you got cooked? Let's get ready. He's always wanting to know what she's cooking or what's going on. But uh, uh, he was a good man. Kenneth Hagin, one of the best men. He knew God. I'm telling you, he knew God. He didn't just know about him. He knew him. He was personally acquainted with God. And uh, he and I, we just hit it off kind of like, he and I was kind of like Jonathan and David in the, in the uh, Bible good friends. Either he was at my house or I was at his house all the time just about it. He'd say, come over and spend the night. I'd go over, we'd go over and spend the night, wind up staying a week. And we just lived down the street from him. <laughs> but he wanted us there. He wanted me around him all the time. And uh, I knew he loved me. Praise God. This woman, I've been, as I told you last night, I've been living with her for 59 years. She don't even look that old. Not much older than that. But uh, she, she's a good person. She keeps me straight. Everybody needs somebody to keep them straight, you know it. But uh, it's been a glorious 59 years, and I look forward to many, many more. Praise God. Jerry, come on, honey. Praise God. Jerry Hart, my wife. I said one time that I didn't like women preachers. Because when, because when we um, went to Bible school and got out and 
fact, I would never, I tell Doc, if you're having a woman preacher, I'm leaving. <laughs> because they, the ones I knew acted so managed. They tried to take over. And and all, all our ministry, I stood up when Doc was ordained. And, um, of course, I, you know, agreed. And I felt like, you know, I'm a helpmate to him. This is, this is really what I really am, a helpmate to him. But then as the years went on, people would come and say to me, because, you know, you can testify or you could speak to women's meeting, and that's usually where I, I go. But they would say, uh, Jerry, I feel like the Lord is calling you to preach. Other people will try to call you to do things. Maybe sometimes they're picking up things in their spirit ahead of you, but they they will call you, but you're not, God's not even ready for you. And I would say to them, well, you know, if I'm supposed to, I will, but right now he's already called me to raise two children to be the mother in the home, to be a help to my husband, and I don't think I can take on any more. And I'd have women to call me that had just become a Christian. Now, this is not what I'm going to talk to you about, but this is on my heart right now, and I'm going to get it off because I've got all these men here. <laughs> if it was women, I'd just take off, you know. <laughs> But I don't want you to think, well, here's a lady up here, you know, and this and that and the other. But but um, I, I would say, well, they'd call me. They'd say, well, we feel like now they've just become a born-again Christian. And they'd call me on the phone. Maybe they'd come to our church and, and heard evangelist or someone. And, and they'd call me and they'd say, uh, what do you think about me? Uh, going out with this person and and enjoying his ministry. Well, I am a person of questions. I mean, I I dog or talk to people on the phone. And I'll say, well, did you ask them that no? Did you ask them that no? I said, why didn't you ask? Them? I don't. Know. But you know, I ask questions. I always went to Brother Hagen, and when he died, I said, Lord, who am I going to go to and ask questions? Because I wouldn't give up if I asked him one day, and he just looked at me. I'd come back at him the next day. I finally got my answer. The Lord said, well, you can talk to me. <laughs> but yeah, it was so much easier just to go to him and ask him. I'd ask other ministers. They, didn't even, they couldn't answer me. But I'd ask him, and he'd have a simple answer. Or you'd hear him preach, and he'd answer your question before you could ask him. You'd wonder about certain things. But when they would call me, I would say, well, are you married? Yes. And these would be kind of young mothers. I said, well, do you have children? Yes. And I said, and you're asking me if you should go out and join this ministry? I said, I'm going to tell you no. God has called you first to be a helpmate to your husband. Second, he's called you to raise your children. And once you've done that, if God's called you out to minister or go into all the world and preach the gospel and do whatever the Lord wants you to do, then you're free to go. If, you know, don't, I mean, you go places sometimes without one another. All of us probably do it at times. But I've had so many people say, Jerry, will you go? And I said, well, I'll speak if my husband is there. 
Because, you know, as long as I'm with him and I'm married to him, I feel it's my obligation to go with him. And whatever God wants me to do, I'll do it. But first of all, I told one church, I said, you know, they said you're supposed to be under our head and this head and that head. And I said, no, I'm under God's head first. I'm under Doc's head second. And if Doc don't stay under God's head, I ain't under his head. <laughs> so, you know, if we can get our perspective right, then we can all flow with one another. And everyone has a, a, a testimony. And I'll give you a testimony this morning. Some of it will be humorous and some of it will be a little sad. But I'm here to tell you that God is no respect to persons. And the pastor kept saying he wanted me to say something. I said, well, don't let me get it over with this morning. Then I can enjoy the service tonight. I don't have to say anything. Because <laughs> I am, I don't have itching preacher. That's right, brother. I'd like to hear him talk about his television thing. Brother Hagin, when I went, we went out to Rhema, I thought, now what am I going to do? I've always been with Doc and, you know, been with him. And I thought, he's teaching at school and here I am just here. So one day he called me into his office and he said, God has placed you here, especially for me and you to be a watchman over not Jerusalem, but over Ramah. And you're to tell me things. I thought, who am I to go and tell a man of God like Kenneth E. Hagin things? And I looked him in the face and I said, well, I might, I might not. And he stared me down <laughs> and I said, I guess I will. few words and looks sometimes can get to you more than anything. And, and there has been many times that he, he'd come to me and, and not say anything. He just said, what is it you're supposed to tell me? Well, a lot of things I didn't want to tell him because I felt like I was tattling or something, but it was things that saved the ministry. It was things that he needed to know about the ministry and, 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 and not that you go and gossip things. And God will tell you things. And God will show you things. But pray about it. Just because God shows you something about someone. And you're supposed to get down and pray and intercede. And I'm going to talk about prayer. And I'm going to talk about healing this morning. Because that's where I'm at. And, and he says just because God shows you something about someone. He didn't tell you to go tattle on that person and tell him things. The Lord's woke me up many times to pray for minister's wife. And I'd say, well, Lord, they're not on my list. I really don't even like that person as far as their personality. But the Lord said you to pray for them. But now it would be something that if I had gone and told them, I would have put them in fear. And if you put people in fear, but God has called you to be an intercessor for the saints of God and to take the place of another. And if you pray for one for another and you pray for something that God has showed you that might happen overseas, that a person is going overseas and you get down and pray and get victory over that. Keep that thing from happening. Don't go tell them because they could get in fear. And But if you pray through over it, then they're already protected by the blood of the Lamb. So you just, you just do what God tells you to do. And then if the Lord wants you to share something that God showed you about someone in the Spirit, then he will also tell you. But don't go be so anxious. When we pastored, we had people of the charismatic move. 
And man, they were, I guess they had itching ears and a tongue that just waggled. But they they couldn't wait to tell somebody, oh, I saw this bad thing or I saw that bad thing. They got the people in fear. God has not given us fear. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but he gave us what? Power, a slub, and a sound mind. Now, if God tells you something and you go tell it without God telling you to, to someone, I don't know why I'm saying this because I, I don't even, this Bible, I brought it because it's little, but my other Bible just kind of flipped everything. I've had it so many years. And I taught healing school and prayer school uh, when I went to Rhema. I did graduate. And, and so brother said I was supposed to go to Rhema, so I ended up going there. But um, someone said, well, why do you want to go to school? Well, I had to go to unlearn a lot of my religious teaching. It wasn't wrong, but it some of it wasn't right either. But it wasn't because they didn't love God. Thank God that I went to a church that did teach me that you must be born again. You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified and raised from the dead. And, and, and that's all we have to do is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. When we get to heaven, we're not going to be named this and that and the other. We're not going to even have to show any identification. We're just going to walk right into the presence of God. And if you're ready to go, your book's in, written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you can just go right in. People used to say, Jared, you can't do that and get to heaven. I said, only St. Peter's gate's going to tell me I can't come in. I'm not listening to nothing y'all say. <laughs> so don't let anybody discourage you because, you know, you, you live your life. None of us are perfect. But we have an advocator. We can go to the Father in the name of Jesus, and we can pray, and we can ask forgiveness. And if you have all against anybody today and you want to be healed, you better make that right. Yeah. I had a lady the other day. I was speaking on healing, and this lady said, I just cannot forgive him. Her husband said, well, you heard what she said. You can't get healed if you don't forgive. And, you know, we was taught one thing. You know, you may not like me, and you may not like anything uh, other people and they might have done you wrong and and you know i'd be a liar or stay here and say that we've never been stabbed in the back and we've never had any i said i don't know why everybody don't love me i'm so lovable but you know they don't i mean people will get mad at you for telling them the truth and, and they'll get they'll get upset at you because uh maybe something made them jealous or something but that's their problem don't let it hinder you you just go on and love them anyway. Ask them to forgive you if you've done something wrong. I've had ministers' wife to say, well, I can't forgive you now. I say, well, I love you. I'd crawl in the mud for you, and I meant it with all my heart. But I can't forgive you. Well, that's their problem. Right. I just pray that, you know, that before they leave earth and get to heaven, you know, they may go early. And if you want to be healed, you have to forgive those that have wrongfully done you in and we have to go on. We have to pray for those. It's hard to pray for somebody that has despitefully done you wrong, isn't it? Yeah. It's hard to drive the car and they honk and honk and honk. The next thing you want to do is honk. You better not. <laughs> you just start rolling the glass. If it's down, just start praying. The Bible says to watch and pray. When I go down the street in the car and you know, I get in there and I say, this is the day the Lord's made. He made it for me to rejoice and be glad. I thank you, Lord, that no weapons formed against me today is going to prosper. I thank you, Lord, that I walk in divine health today. 
I thank you, Lord, that I've been covered with the blood of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you gave me angels to watch over me and protect me. I cover this car with the blood of Jesus. And I thank you, Father. And I just glorify God. And people may be just cussing you out or they may be telling you off. And you come to a red light and you You better stop because there's a red light up there. But you can keep praising God. It's your car and you can do what you want to. There's no excuse for not praying. You pray. Somebody said they was going shopping with me. They said, well, Jerry, you pray all the time. I said, well, it's just there. It just comes out and comes out and comes out. Not that you're wanting people to think how much you pray. When I came out of school one day, when I went, a doctor was teaching at Raymond. They give you all these books. And here you're walking. With all these books. Well, he rides up on the campus, and I was kidding him because I said, Look, Brother Hagen, I said, I've got all these books, all these notes. Now I can go preach everywhere and just, you know, I was just really, you know, letting him know what I, he said, put all that on the back burner and stick with what you know. Because he'd heard me give the testimony I'm going to give you in a little bit. Kelsey walked in our audience one day, and they thought, they don't want to hear me. Here comes Brother Hagin. But he said, just stick with what you know. I said, well, Brother Hagin, I don't know much. He said, well, then don't say much. (laughs) The man was smart. He had wisdom. But I got through it. I, I thought, oh, that's easy. I know that. And I missed a lot of questions because I thought I knew it. And Doc said, answer what they want to hear. When you go to school, even though you don't believe it, you give the answer they want if you want to pass. So I finally got it. And the first time I heard one of the teachers say, I almost fell out of my seat because I was raised Pentecostal. Brother Hagen would get up and he'd say, and, you know, I thought they prayed loud, and they beat on the seat, and they shook you, and they done stuff to you. Well, I was born and raised in a church like that. You couldn't sneeze in the church because my grandmother wouldn't let you. But when it come to praying or come to receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and the preacher that had a revival for 11 and a half weeks, I'd been in church all my life. I was 15 years old when Doc had come out of the service and had joined, come to our church and got saved. But the, the lady preached that night, and she said, if you don't have the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues, you won't go in the rapture. Well, all the sermons I'd heard on the rapture was that if you don't go up in the rapture, then you'll stay here and have to take the mark of the beast. And if you take the mark of the beast, you know, or don't take the mark of the beast, they'll cut your head off. And I'd seen my mother cut off chickens' heads, and they just bodies flop around all over the place. And I would see myself as a young girl. Well, I'm not going to take the mark of the beast. And, and so when she said that that night, I kept people. I kept the pastor and doc. I wasn't married to him, and he was just coming to church. And my mom and my dad wasn't a Christian. And I thought, Lord, I'm not going home till I get the Holy Ghost. But I didn't know what the Holy Ghost was. I knew that certain people got the Holy Ghost. And they spoke in tongues, but you didn't do it at your own will. And that's another story. But Brother Robert said, you know, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, but said she's like a whale. You have to pump it and pump it to get it out. 
Well, I, I thought, praise God, you know, once I get that, I'll be through with that and I'll be over that because this one lady would pray over me and she spit all in my face and she did stuff. And I was saying, God, do I have to go through this torment? You know, it's just they meant well. They love God and they'd go to heaven. But, you know, thank God we're learning more. Thank God we're not ignorant anymore. And the more we learn, the more we find out we don't know. And we keep learning. And we will keep learning. But praise God for people that are bold enough to come along and teach us something. And I told Doc when they sent us to New Mexico, I said, I'm so hungry for something. I don't know what it is. Well, I couldn't get the Holy Ghost. I prayed all night, and on my prayer sure wouldn't have filled me with the Holy Spirit because they believed in tearing all night and tearing, and I didn't know what the word tarry meant. I knew one man that he prayed all my life, and he never received, but he just didn't know how. He was just begging God all the time. The Lord's already prayed that price for us, and he said, if I'll go away, I'll send another comforter to you, and, and, and where I am, there you'll be also, but I'll come back and you'll have me inside of you. Well, I didn't know that Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost, the power of God could live inside of you and guide you and teach you and, and do whatever you need. He's your helper. He's your God. He's your healer. He's your provider. He's your lover. He's everything that Jesus walked this earth for and more. He said, if I go away, I'll sin. Well, I didn't hear that much. I just heard you've got to have the Holy Ghost. And I wanted it. I didn't know what it was. I knew a lady gave a message sometimes in tongues and somebody else interpreted it. And usually it was the same person, the same one. And you didn't dare do that unless you'd been in the church for many years. And it was almost, you could just pinpoint it what was going to happen because, you know, it was like a forum. But you can do it. I can do it. Because you have the same Holy Spirit. There's not but one Holy Spirit. But he can live in all of us. So I prayed. And I said, Lord, 15, 11 of us girls was in that revival. And we'd, after high school, we'd go in the Sunday school room. We'd start praying. And I said, Lord, you won't give me the Holy Ghost. I'm going to pray for my friends to get it. So I just was praying, and I said, Lord, they can go in the rapture if I can't go in the rapture. And I mean, I was serious about that thing. And did you know all 11 of us started speaking in tongues at one time? <laughs> Praise God. I still didn't know what I had, but I was so glad I had it, and I was glad it was over. <laughs> then I met Brother Oral Roberts, and he said, you need a release in the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you, have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, but you need a release on it. You need to pray every day to God the Father. You get in your closet and pray. You build yourself up on this most holy high, and you, you, you talk to God. And, and when you don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit in you can get a hold of God Pray, and it doesn't matter what you're saying. Sometimes I sound like I'm just at a, a something repeating the same thing over and over and over. Don't figure out what you're trying to say to God because, you know, just get victory and just pray. And if God wants you to say something in the audience, you know, it'll be time. 
those times for all things. I've heard Brother Hagin say so many times. He said, now that can wait. You should have prayed that at home. That was just for you. So we're learning, aren't we? Well, you want to know how God gave him my children? You want to know how God healed me of cancer? Or you want to go home right now and come back tonight? Well, I was always told to read some scripture, so I'm going to read it. <laughs> what I say, what the word says is always true. Third John, I like this scripture here. My other little Bible just about tore it up because it was, I call it my Hagen Bible. It wasn't his Bible, but I wrote so many of his notes down and I learned from him. And thank God I did. Not only him, I've learned so much from others just i learned from you last night how how wonderful it is for you to come in and just start worshiping god that's what church is about church is about coming in worshiping the lord not looking to see what somebody's wearing or how they look or or you know or judging or something like that just enter into his presence And that's what we're here for. We're here to try to put something in you, not take anything out. And you're really a good people to minister to because you're ready. You've been taught. And thank God. Sometimes we go places and they don't even know anything we're saying. We just have to teach a Sunday school class. But that's better than nothing. In the second uh, verse of chapter 1, we're all God's beloved if we're in in his... uh, If he lives inside of us, we have God, the father and the highest kind of prayer is praise. When we praise God and glorify God and thank God, think on the good things, think on the honest thing. We can all think on negative things. We all have negative things coming at us daily. But, but you know, the Bible says each day will take care of itself. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry. Don't worry at all. It's a sin to worry. And that's one thing that I have to just tell the devil to get out with because he will see that there'll be something and he'll try to cause you to worry about. But worry is the sin, so you just mark it down. I don't worry that that care belongs to the Lord. I'll cast that care over on him. Now, before I give you this testimony, I want to say to you that there is no respect to persons What God did for me, he'll do for you. I didn't know what I know today, or I could have prevented a lot of things that I went through. But if I can keep you from going through some of the things that I went through, then I'm willing to share those things because it's knowing God and knowing what God will do. Well, Brother Hagin just fell out of my book. I don't know. It's just some prophecy i found in his office one day and he gave it to me i read a little bit to you after a while but second third john in chapter one and verse two he's calling all of us his beloved he said beloved i pray then in all respects i'm out of the whatever book this is new american standard he said, Beloved, I pray, our beloved, I wish above all things, I think it's the uh, English translation. I pray that in all respects you may prosper, not just in money, but you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul, and I always say your spirit prospers. 
Now, if our spirit and soul prospers, I feel like that that verse should have been written. Beloved, I wish for both your soul and your spirit prospers and all these other things will be added unto you. And they will be. Because if you keep your spirit in tune with God and you then and, and, and be obedient to God and serve God with gladness in your heart. Serve God because you love him with all of your heart. You know, if ever people say, well, that minister, he backslid and he did. You know, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't want you to. But I wouldn't care if every last one of you backslid. That would not make me not believe God. I believe God because he is my personal savior. I believe God because he has redeemed me through the blood of the lamb. And I believe him because I love him. He is my father. God, my father, and his son, Jesus, died for me. And and we pray. And, and the Lord one day showed me, he said, in, in praying, he said, you are to lift up the older ministers. He said, Dr. Sunmore, all has died. Brother Roberts is still alive. Brother Hagen is still alive. You are to lift them up. We're to lift our pastors up. We're to pray for them. You say, God, use me. Lord, use me. Well, God can use you right there. You can pray and you can lift them up because they need prayer. And it's prayer that keeps them going and staying right with God because they need help. And so when, when we were out of school, we'd been in school like um, six years. And I thought one day, Doc's mother had 13 children. And I thought one day I'll have a lot of children. We were married. Well, I didn't know anything about married. I knew if I I went with Doc, I had to marry because I couldn't just go off and, you know, live with him. That wasn't popular back in those days. <laughs> and my mom, I told the other night, you know, I told her, I said, my mom, I said, mom, if you don't sign, let me marry Doc. He's a Christian and, and uh, let me go to school with him. I can finish high school and and go on and if you don't let me go with him then i may just stay in this little town and marry some sinner and go to hell well my daddy wasn't a christian and he said young lady you can just go to hell you ain't gonna get married but you know but my mom's dying and she said now you can never come home you can come to visit but you can't ever like divorce or come home because he said your your dad would never let you get over that well there was many times doc wanted to send me home but he didn't have any money to send me home. So I had to stay with him. But, you know, going to school, and I wouldn't advise young women at 16 years old getting married. And I thought everybody knew how to cook because before my chin hit the top of the cabinet, my dad and my grandmother had me in the kitchen. And because they cooked, they cooked all day on Saturday, and they had all the ministers. My grandmother was a spirit-filled woman. My mama was. The men weren't. But, but eventually, praise God, they prayed them in. But, you know, I thought everybody knew how to cook. Well, I like to cook. The Bible says, I read in there where you're supposed to be hospitable to people. You're supposed to show hospitality. Norval Hayes, if you know him, he always came to our house. He said, Jared said, first thing she did before I could get in the door, she said, well, are you hungry? Well, you know, I think if you're going to get to somebody to win somebody, I was thinking about the uh, 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 hurricane down there. You know, they say, well, this is a good time to witness to people. Well, you know, you better feed them something first, and you better help them to get well first, and you better put some clothes on their back first, 
before you tell them about Jesus Christ because they're not going to believe about your Jesus if they're not a Christian. But if you feed them and you clothe them and you warm them and you give them something to drink, then they can be satisfied and they won't be in pain and you can talk to them. But you don't tell them, well, you know, if you was a Christian, you wouldn't be in this kind of trouble. Don't go to the hospital and tell a sick person that may not even know God. Well, if you were hadn't been a sinner, you know, this wouldn't have happened to you. Well, it rains on the just and the unjust. And, and, and so, you know, you have to use wisdom when it even comes to leading a person to Christ. And I'm sure most of you know this. But I was thinking, no, the best thing to do is give them a warm place to live. Give them, a, give them a coat if you got to. Give them part of what you have. Feed them something. We fed more people. I don't know if they're angels on the or not, but I put them to bed. Doc and I have absolutely had so many people come and knocking at our doors. A pastor, you probably have known this, and, and, and didn't have no place to stay. And I'd put everybody to bed but me and Doc. And I would say, get your pajamas and your robe, and let's go. He said, where are we going? I said, we don't have a bed. We'd go down and knock on one of the members' door. And they'd come around 11 o'clock at night, and there their pastor and his wife stood with their sleeping clothes on. I said, you told me one time at church we ever needed a bed. You had a guest room, and we need a bed. Well, don't tell me something if you don't mean it. And Doc never says nothing. He just follows right along. <laughs> we put our kids to bed. I got up and made breakfast. They didn't even know I left town. I left the house. One time I left town. We had a bunch of people, and one of the girls, I saw her, and I said, Lord, we know more famous people that weren't famous before they got famous. And I saw this Winans, the Winans singers, the little Cece Winans. Oh, she came out of school and she ran down the audience and, and one of Doc was Doc Horton. She, one time her, she was a little girl. She was living with her brother and his wife and they had a bunch of children. Well, they came to our house and they stayed and they stayed and they stayed. And so one day I kind of got fed up i said doc i'm going he said where are you going i said i'm going down south my mom lived below macon georgia and we were up in atlanta i said i don't care if they tear the whole house down i don't care if they destroy everything i got i said my nerves is gone and i can't take it no longer i was hospitable to start with but after a while i got hostile Now, none of you've never been bad as me. But he said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to my mother's. They can stay as long as they want to. And I love them with all my heart, and I still love them right now. But I didn't know when they came that they had to stay that long, but I didn't feel led to tell them they had to leave. So we took off, left the house, left everything. And I saw her singing on TV the other day, and I thought, that's that little girl that... Put out of the house. <laughs> she don't remember it, but I did. <laughs> well, praise God. 
they say the older you are, the more comes up out of you. When Doc and I left school, we'd been in school, what, six years, I think. And uh, like Doc said, he had to, had to quit school when he was very young because his dad was the richest man in town. And then he lost everything in the fire and they became the poorest family. And he had, and his dad died while he was in the service with a brain hemorrhage. And he had a little brother two years old and about seven young ones left at home out of 13 and three of them, I think, were in the service. And when he come home, you know, he got saved, but his uh, parents, you know, had it hard for them. Then his mother died while he was in the service. And the span of four years, he lost his father. So the older ones took the younger ones and raised them. Dot's younger brother's 20 years younger than he is. And so I thought, well, well, I'll have a big family because I love children. And um, I didn't know much. And I thought, well, whenever we get out of school, uh, we'll have a family. And uh, we found out that we didn't learn everything in school. We had the degrees and we, you know, graduated and, and, um, I hadn't been to a doctor except I had a appendicitis operation while I was there, but I never was told that, that I couldn't have children and I didn't know that. So we went to his algebra teacher, got married to this minister over in Virginia. And so we, they asked us to come hold, I guess, our first revival. And I was sitting up on the stage, and I heard these. Now, see, I was with him all this time. And I heard these preachers saying, and different ones testifying, saying that the Lord talked to them. Well, I was sitting up there, although I had a smile on my face. You can't go by that. And there was nothing behind me like that. It's just up an empty wall. And I was sitting in this chair, and I was analyzing the service. And the minister said, we're going to pray for the sick and lay hands on them. Well, I'd seen in our church, we laid hands and anointed with oil. But I'd never seen people fall out in the spirit and do things like that. May one to, and we just would explain that there's something wrong with them. <laughs> to, to visitors, you know. <laughs> Ignorant, but still, we was trying to smooth everything over. Well, I was sitting out there, and, and when they said that, I said, Huh. Lord ain't never spoke to me. I said something. You know, I was just saying that when my in myself. And Doc all of a sudden when they started laying, they had a whole line of people and, and Doc was behind the pastor. And I said, Look at Doc. He acts like he knows what he's doing. He don't no more know what he's doing than nothing. <laughs> and he was just acting on the word and I didn't know it. But he was acting and and the preacher, I guess, knew probably was trying to train him. So they'd lay, and then a person would go out on the floor, and maybe one would get him run, and and I'd say, "There's no sense in all that. They're just not being respectful." <laughs> but here I was analyzing this whole thing, and I was sitting up there, and they got along about long here. 
And, you know, they was praying. Everybody was just doing every kind of thing, you know, cause, and rejoicing. And, and I heard a voice. Well, it was so loud to me till I turned around. And when I turned around, there was nobody there. And I hadn't been taught that you could hear an audible voice from God. And although he can just speak to you through the word, too, that's him speaking to you. But I turned, and the words I heard was, if you don't go down and let them lay hands on you, you will never have any children. Well, that frightened me because I didn't want to be married to somebody. His mother had 13 children and I couldn't have any. So I've always been one. My dad would tell me to do something and you couldn't come back from the store without what he sent you after because he'd send you back three or four times till you got it. And then he'd tell you, I told you you could do it. And I was kind of raised that way with the earthly father. And, and I knew that the devil would not tell me something. Satan will tell you, God will tell you something to make you happy. But Satan will take something that will take the joy out of you. So you really don't have to have too much discernment there. If you think it's God telling you something that's making you unhappy, just count it as loss. It's, it's not God. And I knew it wasn't, I knew it wasn't, uh, the devil telling me that. And so I was sitting up there and I was sitting and I looked around like that and I didn't ask any questions. I just got up. And when I got up, I come off of the stage and I came down there. Somebody said, Miss Horton, when did you get pregnant? I said, the moment my bottom left that chair. <laughs> I knew I was pregnant because when God speaks and you obey, something's got to happen. So I got up. Well, the devil got up there with me too. And he said, now, how are you going to act when they lay hands on you? And what are you going to say to that preacher? Because back then you didn't mention the word pregnant. You didn't say, if you even tried to say something, your grandmother slapped you in the mouth and say, don't talk like that. I mean, you couldn't mention nothing. And so we didn't know nothing. <laughs> so when I got down there, I thought, now, these are thoughts that Satan puts in your mind. After God speaks to you, here comes Satan. He'll always come at you. And he said, are you going to act like those people? I just didn't say anything. Sometimes it's best just not say anything. But in my mind, I was thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do, and I don't care. I just know when God told me to get up off that seat and go down there and let them lay hands on me, I was pregnant, and I'm pregnant. I said I was pregnant before they even touched me. Well, when they touched me, nothing happened. I didn't feel pregnant. I didn't know how you're supposed to feel pregnant. <laughs> I didn't feel pregnant. I didn't look pregnant. I didn't act pregnant. I just knew I was pregnant. Well, how did you know it? Because God said it. That's right. That's it. And if God says it, he didn't say, you got to fall out on the floor. 
I'd have fell out on the floor and crawled up the wall if that's what God had said do. It wouldn't have mattered to me at that point. I didn't care. And I, you know, and I, I wasn't criticizing the people to be mean. I just thought there's no point in that. But then he went on and, and, and I just, I just began to see myself with a child. Well, we went to the parsonage that night and I was very inquisitive. I wanted to check this thing out. And I said to the pastor there, I said, uh, why didn't you ask me what I wanted to be prayed for? Now, I never said anything to them. And I think I was, what, 20, 20 years old. And I said, uh, he said, well, didn't you want to have a baby? Well, that kind of blew me away. I thought, well, did Doc talk to him? You know, but I didn't know the Holy Spirit could talk to you then. Thank God I have lived long enough to know a little something. <laughs> And so we went from there to our friends that we went to Bible school with. They were in Loyal, Kentucky, and we went over there to do another meeting. Well, when I got there, well, I weighed 91 pounds, and we'd been going to church all week. Well, I said, Doc, you know, I'm going to have a baby, and I don't have any clothes. And he must have not known no more than I did. And they didn't have a store there, but they had a Sears catalog. So I said to my friend, I need some clothes because I'm pregnant. And if I'm going to have a baby, you wear different clothes. Well, I'd been going to church all week with a little skinny belt around me and just walking down the aisle, just, you know, ordinarily. Well, when the dresses came through the mail, I got three of them. And I got a small, but there was a lot of clothes. And I thought, yeah, you're supposed to make them poke out. <laughs> now, I was ignorant, but I was acting on the Word of God and didn't know it. So that night, I pressed one of those dresses. The pastor and his wife and my husband didn't say no different to me. And so when I walked down the aisle, I had it poked way out. <laughs> And I thought, my mama had two little brothers after me. And I remember she walked funny. <laughs> so I walked down the aisle of that church, and I walked just like this. <laughs> I walked like that for 10 months. <laughs> I didn't know nothing. I left there, and I wore those dresses. I never put on another dress. I Three dresses I'd change around. And one day I, I felt, and, and you know, and I was looking like I'd swallowed a little cantaloupe or something. Then I looked like I'd swallowed a watermelon, but I'd already got my back, you know, my back out there. And I walked like that. I was acting on the word of God, and I really didn't know it. And so when I got to this minister's house, I said, you know, I think you're supposed to go see a doctor, too. Well, I went into that doctor's office. They didn't have any sonograms. They didn't have x-rays. They didn't have anything. He said, well, Miss Horton, what are you here for? I said, I'm going to have a baby. And he said, um, oh, he did a little examination. There was no way he could have known. I was only three weeks. By then... And he agreed. Well, I read in the Bible where two agree touching anything on earth that shall be done in heaven. So I had my greer. 
He said, well, you're pregnant. Well, I knew I was. But I wanted him to tell me because he was a doctor. I did everything I was supposed to do right down the line. The Bible says faith without works is dead. Well, I did all, everything I knew to do. And so I birthed that little girl, and it was a hard birth, but I birthed her, and I had the most beautiful daughter. I didn't know it took nine months to have a baby. I went 10, but it didn't matter. I'd have gone 12. It wouldn't have mattered. I knew I was pregnant. And then when she was about a year and a half, I guess, we were right at taking our, we'd started a little church in Atlanta, and then they moved us to a church in Marietta, Georgia. And I was going to this gynecologist, and Doc said he felt, this other doctor sent me to this specialist, and, and for three and a half months, Doc, was visiting this doctor because they found melanoma on me and um, my female organs. And the day he took me, three and a half months, he said, don't tell your wife because I was only going on 22 years old or 22 when she was born because that she could panic. Well, they sent me from, and I went to introduce Doc to this doctor and he said, we have met. Well, I didn't understand where they had met, but he'd been having consultations. And I didn't know that melanoma can start out like a pinhead and it can grow into an eggplant size in just a matter of weeks. And I didn't know anything about cancer. They didn't even talk uh, to you about cancer or anything like that. Nobody in my family I knew had cancer. So when Doc took me to the doctor, he said, we have met. Well, I didn't know how they met, but in my spirit, I knew something wasn't right. Well, at that point, I was pregnant again because they said, you know, you had a hard time with the first child. If you ever going to have any more children, you need to, you know, to have them right away. And so I was pregnant, but I had lost the fetus. I didn't know. I fell one day and lost it and passed it, but I didn't know that's what it was. But I was carrying the afterbirth. So when he took me to these doctors, I walked in and I said, um, I think I'm in the wrong hospital, wrong doctor's office because there was real old people there and they had all kind of growths all over them. And, and I couldn't understand why I was there. And they took me in and examined me. They examined me all over my head, down through my toes, my whole body. I was just on a little platform and they were examining me. Finally, I asked them, I said, what are y'all looking for? And they took me in the office and they said, Miss Horton, they said, you have melanoma cancer and there's no cure for it. And God knows what he's doing, regardless what happens to you. God knows what he's doing. So this doctor that we first went to, because there was a sore there. And Doc said, you know, he said, she needs to go see a, a specialist. This doctor was a Methodist. His daddy was a Methodist circuit riding preacher. He rode a horse from church to church and preached the gospel. And he was a doctor. And he said, he, he told Doc, he said, I think I know. He thought we knew, but we didn't know that much. He said, I think I know uh, your uh, background of your religion. And I think I know that if you can do what my father did, 
you can pull a miracle out of the sky for your wife, but unless you pull a miracle out of the sky and, and God heals her, there's she's not going to live over six months, no more than two years anybody's ever lived. Because he said melanoma will follow the bloodstream and it'll pop out all over her body. Well, when they told me that I would have to have an abortion, I didn't know what the word meant. I didn't like the sound of it. But I, I, I signed about this much, and I really didn't know what I signed. They said, if you want to live, you have to have this operation. And I, I questioned it because I thought, well, why would God tell me to have a child and then in a year and a half tell me I had to die and not raise that child? And I was analyzing again. I, I couldn't understand that. And I had been taught in our church, if it's God's will to heal you, he will. And if it's not, then you're supposed to accept that. You know, God will meet you right where your faith is. He will meet you. It doesn't mean that he'll turn his back on you because you don't know the whole Bible. Or, but what you know, you know that you have God in your heart. And you know that you love the Lord with all of your heart. And you know that you are Christian and would go to heaven. But maybe you don't know everything about healing, which I didn't. And... So I went into the operating room and I signed to be confiscated. Just everything in my female organs taken out. And I didn't do it because, I mean, I did it because they said, if you want to live, you know, to raise your daughter. And, and I did. And I, I did what the doctor, you know, people will go to the doctors and the doctors will give you the facts and they'll give you what they see. Don't criticize your doctor. And, and, but, you know, there's a higher physician, and usually they will tell you there's one higher than me. We'll do all we can scientifically for you. And don't let people tell you, if you go to the doctors, God won't hear you. That's just a lie from hell. Right. Because God will meet you where your faith is. Right. And if you believe God and you do all your part and you do it with an honest heart, and if they give you medicine, don't sit it on the shelf and say, well, if I take that medicine, I won't be healed. Well, don't go to the doctor at all if you're not going to do what they say. Because God doesn't care if you take medicine, if you get shots, or if you get operations on. He will still meet you where your faith is. And, and, and he'll still love you. He'll still care for you. He'll still do anything you ask him to do if you believe him. That's right. But don't analyze and say, let somebody come along and say, well, if you hadn't took that. We know a minister's wife that died because some, I don't want to say stupid, but, but I don't know other ordinary word. <laughs> but anyway, they come along and the husband was off somewhere and the, the evangelist. Uh, and I, I'd like to think, well, he just didn't understand. But he said, you know, as long as you take that insulin, she had sugar in her blood. As long as you take that insulin, God's not going to heal you. Well, she did what he said because she felt that it was right, and she died. That's right. Now, that wasn't God. No. That wasn't God. So, you know, you can hear from God. You listen to the Spirit of God. I don't care who tells you something. I don't care how many times they prophesy to you. Let it go in one ear and out the other. And if it happens, okay. But don't let them be your voice. You hear the voice of God. You have the Spirit of God living inside of you. You can do as much as any preachers here or anybody else. All you have to do is reach up and say, Lord, here am I. 
And he said he would send his word and heal you. He said, I will do whatever you believe and ask me for. The little lady that touched the hem of the garment, she didn't go around and ask all these people, could she get in that crowd? She wasn't even supposed to be in there. But she said, if I can, she'd done all she knew to do. She spent all her money. She said, but if, if I, if I can just touch his clothes, if I can just get to Jesus. You know, people, we can just get to Jesus. Anytime we can just get to Jesus, it's all taken care of. Anytime we can go to him and you can go to him, I don't care where you are, what kind of crowd you're in. If you're in a den of devils, if you any place, you can get to Jesus. Anytime you got a map and you can open it up, and God will hear you every time. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Where was I? I know. That doctor came in my room that next morning. I didn't have any money. We just got out of school. We didn't have any insurance. Did you know God don't care if you don't have any money? God doesn't care if you don't have any insurance. When you call on God, he'll supply the need. Amen. The doctor said, well, I'm glad you don't have any insurance. I'm glad you don't have. Now, don't go out and count the insurance. Because this day and time, you need all the help you can get living in the world we're living in right now. But, you know, he, he said, well, since you don't have any insurance, they named the hospital after this doctor. He said, I can fix it, and it's better. Doc had just turned down that million dollars job he said out of his mouth if you were a millionaire today you'd be a pauper tomorrow because we'd take every dime you got because cancer they were doing research then and they said even chemotherapy wouldn't help me and they didn't give it to him but they he said i have 11 interns and and i had an audience i guess up there and uh i had 11 doctors well, God supplies you need. He overdoes it, I guess. <laughs> so he gave me the head doctor. And he told us, he said, when I, I'd start to cut out, I mean, they did an exploratory. They wanted to see what was all in there. And, and um, they did an exploratory. And he said, I would start to cut, and a hand would grab me by the wrist. And, and I didn't see anybody, but I'd look up to the doctors, and they'd say, go ahead, go ahead. He was my main doctor. And uh, because he would hear, don't cut that out. She may need it. And he said, I'd start to cut somewhere else. They were going to just take everything in me out. And said that hand would pull back. And he said, I, I felt a hand and I thought it was one of the doctors. But he said, after a while, well, he let each one of them take a mole off of me. Now, just because you got a mole, don't go home and say you got cancer because it's only certain. I got moles all over me, but there's only maybe one or two sometimes popped out, and they take it off for safety's sake. I know I'm healed. I told, I told the devil, I don't care what you show on me. I know when God healed me, he healed me, and he healed my children before the rest of them were born, and he healed my grandchildren's blood, and I pleaded the blood all through the line. The line of my blood, I said, there won't be any cancer going through from my blood, and I took authority right then and there before they were ever born. And they've had stuff taken off of them. They'd say, you know, it looks like cancer, but I said, oh, 
And not a one of them's ever had a malignancy. I had the one malignancy. Well, they took about 11 moles off of me at that time, and they didn't just skin it off. They spooned it out, like spooned it out and sewed it up. So when he got back in the room, he said, I miss Horton. I don't, I couldn't. He said, every time I start to cut, that hand would pull me back. And only by the spirit of God, because I sure didn't know it by my head. I said, well, Dr. Williams, that was just the Lord. Well, you know, the spirit of God would talk out of your mouth sometimes and shock yourself. And, uh, and he said, well, he said, um, I just sewed you back up. He said, you know, Miss Horton, he said, when I looked in there, he said, he said, well, I want to tell you, there'll never be any more children. But he said, you know, I don't know where you carried the first baby you had. He said, your womb looked like a little prune dried up. I said, oh, Doc Williams, I didn't know I had a womb. <laughs> I didn't. I said, I didn't know anything about no womb. All I knew is that Jesus told me to go down and have hands laid on me and I'd have a baby and I had a baby and it came out of me. <laughs> they said, well, there'll never be any more. And if you were to happen to get pregnant inside of you somewhere there, he said, you, you can't carry it because it would kill you. Well, Doc had been in the hospital that night, staying a long time, and the doctor said, you have to go home. Now, we just got started in the ministry, really. And our little girl was about a year and a half old. My mom was staying with her. And so driving down the highway in Atlanta, Georgia, they made him go home. You know, sometimes you have to get alone with God before you can really pray the prayer. You need to pray and get the answers for. People would come in, ministers that I know, and you'd know some of them right now if I call their name. They'd come in. They didn't prepare me for life. They prepared me for death. Now, don't go to the hospital if you've got, if you don't have any faith that God can raise that person up out of that bed and get them on the way of healing. Don't go in there and sympathize with them because you're going to just put them right on in the grave. Just stay out of that room and pray for them at home if you know how to pray. But don't go in there because it looks hard. There's nothing too hard for God. He rose people off. You know, one brother, hang, you've read his books. He, he was on his dying bed. That's the that's the gift of healing, the miracle healings that happens when people rise up without a whole congregation praying over them and crying. You know, sometimes you're doing more harm, you do good. You go in there and start crying, and 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 you're thinking about yourself, not them, because you're crying that they're going to leave you and this and that, and that. You're not going to get a prayer from God that way. You go in there with boldness and you speak to that person. And I know Rodney Hard Brown got me one time out at school and he said, Jerry, you're the only one that's really prayed the prayer right. Said everybody else went up there and felt sorry for my daughter, little daughter, when she was real little, I prayed for her. And he said, you prayed like I've always been taught to pray. You just went in there and told the devil to take his hands off of my daughter and said she got all right, you know, for years. And, and, um, I said, well, that's the only way I knew how to pray. Brother Hagin used to introduce me. He said, it's not because of Jerry's loud praying and banging on the seats that God answers our prayers in spite of it. <laughs> so I found out you don't have to do all that. <laughs> but I said, and then he'd say, you pray like you want to pray, and I pray like I want to pray. I'm not going to tell you how to pray. I'm just going to tell you that you can pray, and it doesn't matter if you get your answers, what you do, as long as you pray the prayer of faith. Well, when he... When Doc went home that night, 
see, here I was. I'd had yellow jaundice. And I tell you, I tell people this is not speaking doubt and unbelief, but it's the pure facts. You may walk in that hospital room and you may not, you may feel pretty good. And they may tell you that you can't live, but I guarantee you, now this through experience, I guarantee you that when you go in there and you lay down on that hospital bed and they give you something and knock you out and they cut you wide open and they lay all these parts over here and all these parts over here and sometimes they don't know what part goes to what and they lay it over there and they try to put it all back and they sew you up, you're going to hurt. You're going to hurt. And I don't believe anybody. And I know it's happened, but I don't believe you. That you can have a baby and it not even phase you. I don't believe that. My daughter called me in the room and said, Mother, look, I'm having my baby. I said, you're not either. She says, I am. You see it on the sonogram. I, she said, get out of here, Mother, right now. I said, oh, you ain't having a baby. You've got to be kidding where all the baby come. But times have changed. I'd like to have one now just to see how it is. That I, but, you know, I'm not Sarah and Dot's not Abraham. <laughs> no, I thank God for what I have. But, you know, you have to be honest with people if you want to help them. Well, the, when the doctor told me, when, when Dot left and went home, he prayed this prayer that he had changed his prayer. He said, Lord, if you'll heal Jerry and, and let her live and go with me in the ministry, I'll preach the gospel the rest of my life. And then he got a check in his spirit. He said, no, Lord, if you don't ever heal my wife, the gift and calling of God are without repentance, and I'll have to preach the word of God regardless. And he said then he just felt like, the glory came into the car, and he went home, told my mom. He said, well, Jerry's uh, healed. And, and my mom said, you know, she's a spirit-filled woman. But she said, well, what did the doctor say? Well, the doctors may tell you you're dying, but the doctor, Jesus, can tell you that you can be healed by the power of God. And so while he was gone, I was left in the room by myself. I had the little rails up on the bed, and They'd given me a lot of shots. Thank goodness they gave me shots. I was in pain so bad. I was hurting so bad, and this doesn't sound real good, but maybe it'll help you. And, you know, after they had pressed on me and did this operation, I had hemorrhoids very bad, just, just out of me. And I said to the Lord that night, now, I didn't pray the perfect prayer, but I prayed the only prayer I knew to pray. And I said, Lord, I've read in the Bible if 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 I have any enemies or if I have any unforgiveness in my heart, then uh, I want you to show me and let me know who it is. And and I, as far as I knew, I didn't, but I was checking myself. I said, I, I want to know that everything is right. And I said, Lord, I'd appreciate it if you'd heal me. But Lord, if it's not your will to heal me, I didn't know it was the will of God. You don't have to pray to God and ask him if it's the will of God to heal you. It is the will of God to heal you. Amen. He said, I come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. And he said, I sent my word and healed. And he said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. There's nothing too hard for God. But I prayed that prayer and I said, but Lord, you know, I'm ready to go. I sure would love it. If you'd let me stay, if I could be a help to my husband in the ministry, and I sure would like to raise my own little daughter that you gave her to me. And I said, Lord, but I'm going 
to end with this prayer. I feel I'll wake up healed or I'll wake up in heaven. You know, there shouldn't be any fear of dying. If you know God, there shouldn't be any fear of dying. None of us wants to die before our time. There's plenty of work to be done down here, and we need everybody to witness to those that may not be as lucky as you are or know the Lord like you do, and you need to go and teach the Word of God to them and get it out. And we just pray this brother's uh, radio broadcast will just bring people in out of places that they haven't even heard a preacher because God's using every tool he can get because we are living in the last days. And and he said he'd pour out his spirit on all flesh. And he's not going to overlook anybody. If they receive it, they've got it. If they don't, then that's their choice. But I believe that there's going to be many, many that's going to come to the Lord, even in, in destruction and, and, and earthquakes and, and floods and, and just many things because the Bible is true. And he, he loves the sinner. He, he died for all of us. So when I was praying that prayer, I relaxed. And I don't know, probably you have sometimes being sound asleep, and all of a sudden just something woke you up and you sit right straight up in the bed, you know. Well, I hadn't sat up in the bed before this. And they had things, you know, natal stuff. They were doing stuff to me all the time. And all of us, when I prayed that prayer, I thought, well, I'll just go to sleep because she came and gave me a shot to put me to sleep. Well, it just didn't seem like it was a matter of any time, and all of a sudden I just, I heard a voice, and, it's, and, and I heard, daughter, well, I sit right up, and I hadn't been able to sit up, and I just sit right up, and I, I heard, daughter, don't you worry, for you're going to be all right. Well, when I heard those words, I, I felt strength. And I thought of the time that Dot was praying with the preacher and the people were running. Hallelujah. And I thought, Lord, if I could just get out of this bed, I want to run so bad. I want to just get out and run down that hall. I could see a little light out there. And I, and I said one time, I don't know much about athletes, but I said, you know, I, I got that football in my arms and I hit a home run. So I said, Hun, you got your ball games mixed up. But I said, I don't care. I said, I said, the thing about it, I had the healing power of God. I wanted to run. I had made a touchdown for the Lord and I wanted to run so bad. And I thought, oh, Oh, I'll, I'll see who this kind doctor is. And it was like when a bride comes down the aisle and the light shining through her beautiful white dress, the light was shining through this doctor, I thought. And I thought, I haven't met the kind doctor that this is. And it was at the foot of my bed. And I thought, I kept rubbing my eyes if I could just see his face. If I could, but it was so glistening, I couldn't see. And I kept rubbing my eyes. And I thought, well, I'll see who this doctor is. But all I could hear was the words, the words, don't worry, you're going to be all right. Well, I called the nurse and I said, uh, and I was sitting up then and I was wanting to get out of that bed and I couldn't. And uh, I said, uh, go call my husband, tell him, come get me. And this was in the middle of the night now, and I'm healed and I'm going home. 
She said, you lay down there. Said, you're out of your head. You're talking out of your head. You're talking foolish things. And she said, I've drugged you. (laughs) And she ran out of the room. And she come back with a big, long needle. And she shot me again. And it didn't even faze me. It didn't do anything to me. And I really wanted to just knock her out of that room. But, the, but that person walked up to me and said, don't, don't worry. Uh, uh, don't try to explain to her. She doesn't understand. Now, she said these words. The Bible says, take heed what you hear. You know, did you know Satan can take good words and steal those words before they hit your ears? And you're going to hear the wrong thing sometimes. You're not discerning of spirits. And she said, in the morning. You're going to hurt worse than you've ever hurt. You're going to do this and you're going to do that. And, 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 and I mean, she didn't say any good thing to me. Well, I know a good registered nurse would never say those things to a patient because they could get fired. But I just left that alone. I thought, well, when this doctor leaves the room, I'll see where he, uh, who he is. Well, he, when he walks out the door. Well, he didn't go out the door. He went out the window. <laughs> But it wasn't because I saw angel. It wasn't because somebody came in my room. The Lord, I said to Doc next day, he'd come in. And they were, sure enough, I was in pain so bad I couldn't stand it next morning. But that didn't faze me at all. I was hurting so bad I couldn't stand it hardly. The doctor was, they was calling my doctor. And my friends was up there. And when Doc walked in, he said, when the Lord told him I was healed, he thought I would walk in and I'd be swinging my legs, ready to go home. And he said he didn't see that. I had yellow jaundice. I was just dried up to nothing. I was in terrific pain, but I called him to my bed and I said, honey, don't worry about me because the Lord came in my room last night and said, don't you worry. You're going to be all right. And if I'm going to be all right, I'm going home. And I said, you take all these flowers in this room and you take them down there and give them to the sick people because I'm not sick and I'm not going to have a funeral. And I said, I'm going to tell you something right now. If I'm going to be all right, then I don't have cancer. I won't let cancer kill me. I'll never have cancer. And from that day on, they have said I've had cancer a lot of times, but when it comes back, it's not cancer. And then one day the Lord spoke to me after I was out at Kenneth Hagin school and said, Jerry, if you keep letting, I thought as long as the doctors could do something, I'd be okay. But he said, as long as you let them whack on you and cut out everything, he said, uh, you're going to be like a stump, and a stump don't go far. So I quit having them to cut out everything. If I go to a doctor and have an examination, I'll say, I don't care what you find in there. Promise me you don't cut out nothing while I'm asleep. Well, they wonder, what are you coming to me for? I just want to know what's going on. And I've never had it. They said, you'll never, ever have any children again. Well, I thought about that losing that baby. And after six years, for 15 years, they said I would die with cancer. Every little thing that happened to me, they relayed it back to the cancer. And after 15 years, my doctor said to me, he was in his 80s about that time, and he said, he said, well, you've lived 15 years without any malignancy, so I'm going to give you a clean bill of health. And I didn't worry about those 15 years. I just walked on, and those words ring so true. Don't worry. You're going to be all right. Well, if you're going to be all right, that means you're going to be well. And I didn't jump up out of the bed. They took me home, but they said they'd bring me back, and, and I would die because there was no cure. But I'm here to tell you it doesn't matter what you have. 
It doesn't matter what your parents died with. It doesn't matter what kind of blood came from your relatives. God is here today, and he's here to heal you. He is your healer, and all you have to do is believe it. And if you want to be healed, you come down here, we'll pray for you, and we'll just curse that thing on your body, and you can walk out of here healed. Hallelujah. Let's stand. I could go on and on and on. Oh, Doc said, tell him about David. <laughs> After six years, I got off and I prayed, Lord, I want a son. But you can't have any more children. I said, but with God, all things are possible. So after three and a half months, I wouldn't go back to the doctor. And though when I finally went back, they said, oh, man, you're too far to take the baby. said, we don't know what to do. And I said, it'll be all right. I didn't tell them I got off and prayed and asked God to give me. I said, Lord, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you to preach the gospel. He's preaching the gospel all over this world. Well, thank you for tuning in today to uh, this podcast. We have another one coming up. In fact, it's every other week, the first and third Friday. Hopefully this has spoken to you. If you would like to, we have a magazine. It's called Grace and Faith Journal, and it comes out once a quarter. And we'd love to send that to you. It has interesting articles. And then it tells what we're doing at Horton Ministries International to help people and to minister people around the world. If you want to email us at office at scarlethorton.com, then you can uh, give us your address. We can send you our Grace and Faith magazine. And if you're in Tampa, Florida, come see us at Grace Harvest Church. We pastor a local church here. Uh, but we mainly want to pray for you uh, and encourage you. So uh, again, if you need prayer, email us for prayer. We'd love to do that. And uh, tune in next time. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.